0: Hallelujah. Holy and awesome God, we call upon your presence. In the falling of the rain, in the rush of the morning routine that got us here, in the splendor of another day to wake in your delight, we call, we listen, stop, and feel. On this Reign of God Sunday, we claim that your power and presence are as fully available now as they ever have been. God of eternity, we join the chorus of saints declaring your reign and hope that we, people you've created in your likeliness by water and spirit, creative spark, and even struggle, May join you in your good works and praise you now and for forever. Let us continue to worship God. Amen. Yes. And now it is a time in our worship where we get to welcome new members to this family. Woo! Is there anyone with us today who is joining us officially that has not come up and been sung to and been introduced officially. We think, yes. Come on down, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too scary,
1: I promise. Yeah, just in there. Okay. Middle Church is a movement of love and justice. And today we celebrate with these new members that Middle is their church. They stand before you and before God to say they are partners in this ministries, Friends, just as you are, as you come through the door, we welcome you.
2: Membership means signing on for the vision of God's reign. Membership means participating in the life of the congregation. Membership means proclaiming that you belong to God and you will use your gifts generously for God's work. Membership means claiming God's claim on you.
0: Today, we welcome to Middle Church these children of God. Friends, do you claim Middle Church as your church? If so, say, I do. Will you give with your heart your gifts to this congregation and to the larger church? If so, say, I will. I will. I Will, will you love and share with this community in the ministry of Jesus? If so, say, I will. I will. I will. Will you learn and study so as to grow in faith? If so, say, I will. I will. I
2: will. Here's a question for all of us. Do you, promise to love, encourage, and support these people of God by being the gospel of God's love and by giving the strong support of God's people in prayer and in deed. If so, say, we will.
0: We, we will. will. Would you all just tell us your names and anything
1: else you want to share? <laughs>
3: Hi, my name is Deborah Davis and I'm happy to be here. I live nearby on First Avenue.
1: And I'm delighted to be part of this wonderful, creative activist community. Thank Welcome. you. Welcome.
4: Um, my name is Ari. I'm also from around here on First Avenue. I used to come to this church when I was about this big. Um, but sadly, after my mom passed, I stopped coming. So that's interesting that I refound. I guess, that faith again, and I started coming again. Welcome home.
2: Dear family, let us pray. Holy one, we're so grateful for this moment. God of grace and mercy, thank you for the gifts of these new members, Ari and Deborah. Thank you that we are all your children make us more like you in all we say and do and help us to be your hands and feet in this world. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. And now new members receive this middle welcome in song and you all see the words are in your bulletin.
5: So my friends, we are getting ready to sing our first selection as a congregation. If you would stand and join us. It's a little new kind of thing. So we're gonna ask you to just give your all, your everything in this moment as we not begin worship but continue worship together as a body. Of believers. My God is awesome. your turn.
6: Young and young at heart, please join me on the stage. Miss Sarah is helping us spread the blanket. It's time for the message for all ages. Making our way up. Oop! You got it. You got it. (laughs) Thank you for the movement, Carlo, adding extra jazz to the message for all ages. Let me scoot over. Hello, friends. Come, come, sit, gather. As we get on the stage, I would like to tell you a story about my friend Jamie. And when he was little, his favorite toy was called Mr. Bear. And this is not Mr. Bear, but this is, we're working with it. And they were going on amazing adventures together. But one day, Jamie couldn't find Mr. Bear. And he was so, thank you, he was so worried that Mr. Bear was lost. By raise of hands, have any of you ever been worried about a missing toy? (sighs) Right? Especially a missing Beyblade tip, yeah. And so, all at once, how did you feel when you lost your toy? Sad, mad, worried, freaked out. Well, all of my, my friend felt all of those things, too. So listen close, young friends, I want to tell you what Jamie did. He tried searching on his own, and he couldn't find Mr. Bear, so he did something very wise. Jamie went to an adult that he trusted, which happened to be his big sister, and asked for help looking for Mr. Bear. And by working together, they were able to find Mr. Bear in the garden not super far from their house. So when something is lost, It's a good idea to ask for help from our friends and neighbors and family that we trust because having somebody there to search with us makes finding something that's lost feel a lot less scary. So young friends, I have a challenge for you. Think about this. Who in your life can you trust to help you when something is lost or when you're lost? My challenge to you is to come up with three people, adults, I want you to listen closely, find your three people who you can ask for help. That way, if something gets lost or you get lost, you don't have to be scared because you already know who has your back. Okay? So it's my challenge you to speak. Three people that you can trust to help you. Okay? Sound good? Okay. Let's stand together and pray. Okay, repeat after me. Dear God, Dear God, thank you for friends, thank you, thank you, you for friends, friends neighbors, neighbors, and family, and family and fa- who help us, who, help, who us, help us when we are lost, when we are lost, and when we lose things, when we lose things. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go back to our seats and sing sing a humble on the way down.
0: Good morning again, and welcome to Middle Church. I think I'm on. My name is Amanda, my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm one of the ministers here. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis and our consistory, we are so glad that you all are here today on this Reign of God Sunday. Is anyone here today for the very first time? If so, we'd like to just give you a special hello and see where you're from. Glad you're here. Where are you visiting from? Where are you visiting oh, from? I beg your pardon. Where are you visiting from? You live in New York? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're glad you're here. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Anybody oh. over here? Yeah? Uh,
6: we're visiting
0: from Wyoming. Wyoming. Oh. Welcome. <laughs> Who else? Keep your hands up. I wasn't that quick this morning. Yeah. Brooklyn as well. Brooklyn, welcome. Oh, Behind me. Here. Oh, San Diego. San Diego. Oh. Welcome. I think that's where our senior pastor is. Our senior pastor's in San Diego at a conference. Anybody else? Yeah. (laughs) Welcome, Brooklyn via Russia and West. Yeah? Louisiana. Louisiana. Kentucky? I'm from Kentucky. Let's talk. So is our preacher. Imagine that. And we have people watching online as well, including Jackie and our digital minister is on today. So we're so glad to have you all with us as well. There's a lot of things happening in the life of Middle Church, as always. You can see what a lot of those things are on the screen behind me. I would like to invite everyone to a special Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow at 5.30 with our friends and community at Momentum. There's no RSVP needed, there's no um, ticket required, just come and eat with our Momentum family and some of the staff tomorrow at 5.30 as their chef Tim creates a special Thanksgiving dinner for us. Um, if you have volunteered for our butterfly ministry any time this year, will you just raise your hand anytime time this season? Thank you all so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Butterfly is our ministry that takes bag lunches to a local park to help food insecure people. And today is the very last day of our program year, which will start back up in April. So thanks be to God for our butterfly ministry and for all of your participation with it. Jackie would like you to know that next Sunday, after the second worship, she is inviting all recurring donors to a special brunch. That's right, all recurring donors to a special brunch. If you'd like to have brunch with Jackie, uh, check out the bulletin here and figure out how you too can be a recurring donor. Was that a good plug or what? And finally, I'm so honored to introduce our preacher for the day, the Reverend Dr. Paula Stone Williams. Paula is an internationally known author and activist and speaker, and I can tell you that you are in for a wonderful word today. So in that spirit, let us continue with worship.
2: Amen. Hi, everyone. I'm Chad, and my pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm also one of the ministers here. Now is our time in our worship when we gather our hearts together as a community. It's a rare time in our week when we can pray together together as a family, and if you're with us online, you're a part of this family, and you're a part of this prayer as well. We'll begin with a moment of silence, and then I'll lead us in prayer. So find a comfortable spot in your pew. Allow yourself to feel your body in its space as we offer our hearts to God. Holy One, In your tender compassion, hear the prayers of your people. We come to this space with concerns and joys in our hearts. We give you thanks for a safe space such as this one that welcomes us, that helps us know that we do belong. Thank you, O God, for welcoming us into this space. Hear our prayers for all affected by violence, We boldly ask, protect us from danger, comfort us from harm, heal us from our injuries. Forgive us, O God, for the times when we fail to show compassion for our siblings who suffer. Forgive us for the times we fail to believe that through your grace, an end to violence is possible. Help us to believe. Hear our prayers for all who feel alone. O God, find us in the darkness. Shine your light upon us. Help us see that we are not stuck in a dark corner, but that you have created a path before us and that you are lighting the path before us. Forgive us for the times we fail to believe that, through your grace, we are able to follow that path we are able to follow that path. We are wise enough, we are strong enough, we are good enough. Oh God, hear our prayers for all who yearn for freedom. Strengthen us for the work ahead. Embolden us to carry out your vision of justice for our world. Guide us, O oh God. Show us the resources we need. Connect us with the people we need. And, O oh God, forgive us For the times that we fail to see that through your grace you have already provided all that we need. Open our hearts to more fully receive your amazing grace, to more fully receive your steadfast love, your limitless wisdom, your enduring truth. Open our hearts to more fully receive your unending ability to surprise us again And again, for you, O God, are the divine, you are the holy, you are the great I am, and we, O God, are your people. Holy One, in your tender compassion, hear the prayers of your people and make us instruments of your infinite grace. Amen. Dear friends, I invite you to rise in body and or spirit, to join hands with those around you. As we pray out loud together the Lord's Prayer, there's an inclusive version printed in our bulletin, and of course here at Middle, you're free to pray in whatever language, in whatever version you feel called to pray this morning. Let us pray. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign comes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is this the reign, the power, and the glory forever. The spirit that we share together in this moment is the spirit of peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Please share a sign of God's peace with one another. Peace be with you.
5: Moving into the holiday season, and this song, Be Grateful, gives us a moment to reflect on God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace.
3: i than you.
4: I'm coming back next week. (laughs) not sure how my church will feel about that, but it's amazing. My name's Paula. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This is the Word of God, the 11th chapter of Matthew, beginning with verse 2. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go, and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. So I was a host of a television show that was a nature show, and we were in Vancouver, British Columbia, shooting in a place called the Seymour Demonstration Forest, which was, in fact, a temperate rainforest. You get about 100 yards in, and you lose all sense of the four cardinal directions. So in between takes, I decided to take a little bit of a wander out into that forest, and sure enough, within a couple of minutes, I was lost, completely, utterly lost. Fortunately, it was a very quiet day, no wind, no rain, I listened carefully, and finally could hear the hum of the generator where our chute was, and I just followed that hum back to the chute. I got back just in time to be called up for the next shot, It was a little scary being lost. None of us like being lost. David Wagner teaches at the University of Washington, and he studies indigenous people who live in that same rainforest, and how they teach their young people to navigate if they become lost. Wagner turned it into a poem, and the poem goes like this. When you're lost in the forest, stand still. When you're lost in the forest, stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. You must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask its permission to know it and be known by it. Listen, the forest breathes, it whispers, I have made this place around you. If you leave, you may return to here. No two trees are the same to a raven. No two branches are the same to a wren. If what a tree or a branch does is lost on you, well, now then, you are surely lost. What do you do when you're lost in the forest? Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. John was lost, profoundly lost. He was the only child of the aged priest, Zechariah, and his wife, Elizabeth, who had received a visitation from the angel Gabriel late in life telling them that they would have a son. Elizabeth welcomed the news. Zechariah refused to listen to it or believe it. And then Elizabeth found out that her cousin Mary had also had a visitation from the same angel, and the two of them got together to celebrate the coming births of their sons. And then came the day that John was born. Now tradition would have it that he would be named Zechariah after his father. But Zachariah, knowing that he'd ignored the angel and all, recognized that probably wasn't a good idea, and so his name should be John. And he grew up as the cousin of Jesus. No doubt played a lot together as children. Can you imagine just how frustrating it would be to have Jesus as your cousin? (laughs) You know, you're out playing in the backyard, and you break a dish, and your mother comes out and says, "Okay, boys, who broke the dish? You say, Jesus did, Mom. Jesus broke the dish. Jesus, did you break the dish? No, it wasn't me, it was John. No, I swear, I swear, it was Jesus. Jesus broke the dish. Now, John, you and I both know Jesus doesn't lie. <laughs> Busted. I mean, there'd be years of therapy trying to deal with Jesus having been your cousin, right? So then comes the day that Jesus comes to John in their young adult life and says, John, to fulfill all righteousness, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, oh, that's a good one, Jesus, I like that, yeah. No, I'm serious. To fulfill all righteousness, I want you to baptize me. And so John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and God spoke up audibly, I think sounding a lot like Dame Judi Dench, I'm pretty sure. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And not only that, but a figure like a dove descended down from heaven to where Jesus stood. Now, if John ever had any doubt in his mind about who Jesus was, that doubt was dispelled now. He had just heard God speak, saw a figure like a dove come down from heaven to where Jesus stood. And he went out and told the people, the Messiah is at hand. One has come who is so great I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. But his enthusiasm got him in trouble. Herod was the ruler of the land, and Herod had decided he liked his brother's wife much better than he liked his own wife. So he decided to divorce his wife, seduce his brother's wife away from his brother, marry her and live happily ever after, except John spoke up and said, yeah, where we come from, that's not okay. Well, that was just as good as slamming the old cell door shut in John's face. Herod sent his soldiers out with a single request. Bring John back alive. He knew John was popular with the people, and if he were to kill him, there might be a political uprising against him, so instead he thought, "Now yeah, we'll just shut him off in prison and the people will forget about him. And sitting in prison, doubts started to come into John's mind. Like most other people of Israel, John thought the Messiah would be a political king, that he would defeat the Romans bring independence back to Israel, and then give the people free food. And reports start coming over the prison grapevine, Jesus hanging out with the poorest of the poor, the lowest of the low, the down and the outcast, Jesus doing nothing to create an army to defeat the powers that be. And John started thinking, could it be he's not the Messiah? Could it be I've been preparing the way for an ordinary man? John is filled with doubts, and it's a good thing. Because doubting everything is the beginning of wisdom. That's right. Doubting everything is the beginning of wisdom. But it never feels that way. It always feels like death. John was lost, profoundly lost, was he the Messiah? Was he not? John's lost, but it's okay because lost, well, lost is a place too. And it's kind of hard to get through life without spending some time in the place called lost. There are things you can learn in the place called lost. You can't learn any other way of wisdom you can gain in that place called lost. You cannot gain in any other way. Now, there are people in life who do not get lost. They're the people who never go anywhere. (laughs) But if in fact you dare to take a risk in life and to step out courageously, you're going to get lost. The question isn't whether you'll get lost or not, it's how long and how deeply you'll get lost. We all get lost. Joseph Campbell talked about it as the hero's journey, common to every culture, every language group, every ethnicity, every age. Always the same elements. There's an ordinary citizen called onto an extraordinary journey onto the road of trials. And initially, the person rejects that call because, hey, it's the road of trials. Not many of us willing to say, sure, let's just spend today on the road of trials. But then a spiritual guide comes into the person's life, a Yoda, if you will, that gives them the courage to accept that call, and then sure enough, they find themselves on the road of trials. And then it gets worse. They find themselves in a deep, dark, black cave. It's what Dante was talking about at the beginning of the Commedia, the Divine Comedy, when he said, in the middle of the road of my life, I awoke in a dark wood where the true way was wholly lost. Yep, been there. It's what John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. And you must spend time in that dark night of the soul until finally, finally you see the light at the end of the tunnel and this time, thank goodness, it's not an oncoming train. And so now you're back into the ordinary road of trials, which now feels like nothing after what you've been through. And then eventually you get to the prize of great price, to the Holy Grail. But even then... Your journey is not over because you have to take that prize and bring it back and give it to those from whom you have departed as an offering. Only then are you free to move on. Now here's the thing, all of us have been called onto the hero's journey, every last one of us. The question is not whether you're called onto the hero's journey or not, the question is whether or not you answer the call. I knew from the time I was three or four years of age, I was transgender. In my naivete, I thought I got to choose. I thought a gender fairy would arrive and say, "Okay, what's it going to be? But alas, no, gender fairy arrived, so I just lived my life. I didn't hate being a boy, I just knew I wasn't one. Went to college, got married, had kids, built a career. But the call toward authenticity has all the subtlety of a smoke alarm. And eventually, decisions have to be made. And so I came out as transgender and promptly lost every single one of my jobs. I had never had a bad review. And I lost every one of my jobs. In 29 states, you cannot be fired, or in 21 states, you cannot be fired for being transgender. But in all 50, you can be fired if you're transgender and you work for a religious corporation. This is good to know. It's not easy being a transgender woman. People often ask me, do you feel 100% like a woman? And I say, well, first of all, if you've talked to one transgender person, you've talked to exactly one transgender person. I'm not gonna answer for anybody else. I feel 100% like a transgender woman. There are things a cisgender woman knows that I will never know. That said, I'm learning a lot about what it means to be a female, and I'm learning a lot about my former gender. And I'm here to tell you the differences are massive. We'll start with the little things, like the pockets on women's jeans. (laughs) Can someone explain this to me? Or the size of women's clothing. I figured it out. The numbers mean nothing. <laughs> so my former wife, with whom I'm still in practice as a therapist, we, she's five foot three with a lot of curves, and we'll go to the store together. She'll try on 20 pairs of jeans. None of them will fit. I, on the other hand, can go on to any online retailer in the world, buy a pair of size 10 tall jeans, and they will fit perfectly. Now, there's something wrong with that. we're making women's jeans for six foot two inch tall skinny men women without curves. Or let's just be really honest about it. We're making women's jeans for tall skinny men. Something's wrong with that. That tells you just how patriarchal our culture is. There's no way a well-educated white male can understand how much the culture is tilted in his favor. There's no way he can understand it because it's all he's ever known and all he ever will know. Conversely, there's no way a female can understand the full import of that, because being a female is all she's ever known. Now, she might have an inkling that she's working twice as hard for two-thirds as much, but she has no idea how much harder it is for her than it is for the guy in the Brooks Brothers jacket in the office across the hall. I know. I was that guy. The average woman in America earns between 53 and 79 cents on the dollar of what the average man works earns. 6.6% of Fortune 500 CEOs are female. 4.8% of Silicon Valley CEOs are female. 3% of venture capital goes to female-owned firms. The myth is that women don't get raises because they don't ask for them. The truth is that women ask for raises every bit as often as men do. They just don't get them. Now, I'd heard all those statistics before, but they never really registered with me. But, oh, they register with me now. Because now I am living those statistics. I've built a new life. But it's been way, way harder than it was before when everything was just handed to me. In my new life, I've spent so much time lost. John is lost. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he not? He sends his followers to Jesus with a single question. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus gives him a riddle for an answer. Go tell John the things you see me do and hear me say. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached to them. John, when he gets this answer, is thinking, you know, I asked a simple yes or no question. There's not a lot to do in prison. And scripture was an oral tradition. And so, no doubt, he started thinking about these answers that Jesus had given him and Maybe he recognized that Jesus was sending him back to Scripture, that those were all quotes from the Hebrew Scriptures. Maybe not, we don't know. But the story does go on. Herod's new wife's daughter does a dance in front of a big party, and she does such a good job that Herod says, I will give you anything that you want. She said, great, I'll take the head of John the Baptist on a platter for my mother. And that's what she got. Not a real happy ending. But then the faith that looks for happy endings probably isn't the best kind of faith anyway. But to me, the most fascinating part of this story is what happens right after John's disciples have asked Jesus their question. Jesus has answered the question, sends them on their way, turns back to the crowd, and I can imagine what Jesus might have said. He might have turned back to the crowd and said, wow, can you believe that? I grew up with that guy. I mean, we both heard God speak. We saw a figure like a dove come down from heaven. Now he's doubting who I am. You think you know somebody. Is that what Jesus said? No. It's one single, single phrase, he said, and it changes everything. He said, there is no man born of woman any greater than John. Well, how about that? apparently Jesus understood that lost is a place too. And Jesus was not particularly bothered by the fact that John was living in the place called lost because Jesus was far more concerned about whether or not he was on the journey. And if he was on the journey, of course he was going to get lost because you're always going to get lost if you dare to believe that the authentic life is worth living. I was lost, completely lost. I'd lost every one of my jobs. I was the CEO of one of the nation's largest organizations that starts new churches that grow very fast. I was the editor-at-large of a national magazine. I had preached at one point or another in three of the 10 largest churches in the United States. I was on the preaching team of two different megachurches and all of it was gone within seven days. I lost a million dollars of pension money and I was lost. Thousands of friends gone overnight. I thought I would never be back in the church again, but then one pastor from one church in Denver invited me to preach, and just like that I was on their preaching team, which then caused another church in Denver, a church of a couple thousand, Denver Community Church, to invite me to preach at their church, and I joined their preaching team. And then I came back and preached at my son's church in Brooklyn, Forefront Church, where he is a pastor And then those three churches joined together to start a new church in Boulder County, Colorado, where I now am one of the pastors. And then somebody from NPR saw all of this, and suddenly I was doing one TED Talk, and then a second TED Talk with my son, and then a third TED Talk, and then just last week a fourth TED Talk. And now they're making a feature film about my life in Hollywood, and I'm thinking, what? But here's the thing, it might not have turned out that way. It doesn't for most people. I brought a lot of my privilege with me when I transitioned, I know that. And that privilege remains with me. But if I did not have any of these marvelous things happen, would I have transitioned anyway? Of course I would. Because the call toward authenticity is sacred and holy and for the greater good. When I was going through my worst time of being lost, I was sustained by the first poem I ever memorized. It's David White's poem, Sweet Darkness, and it goes like this. When your eyes are tired, the world is tired also. When your vision has gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark, for the night has eyes to recognize its own. There you can be sure you will not be beyond love, The dark will be your home tonight. The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. You must learn one thing, you must learn one thing, you must learn one thing. The world was made to be free in. You must give up all other worlds except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn that anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for creating us as free beings who can get lost. Well, of course we never enjoy it, but we're never lost to you. You always know where we are. And if we're willing to trust that, we can discover lost as a place too. And we can spend the time there that we need to gain the wisdom we need because we know that you are always there loving us where we are, as we are. For that, we will be eternally grateful. Amen.
1: afternoon, Middle. My name is Danita Branham, and I'm an elder here at Middle. And Reverend Paula, thank you once again. <laughs> I got to hear it twice. Uh, thank you once again for inspiring us and reminding us it's OK to get lost and stop and listen and wait for spirit to guide us. Thank you. And Middle. Today is Reign of God Sunday. Here at Middle, we say we are rehearsing the reign of God. And everyone here is a part of that. When you sing, when you lead worship, when you volunteer, when you learn, when you march, and when you invest in our community, you are a part of the work for justice that we are all committed to. I've been a member of MIDDLE for a little over 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) And I've seen amazing, amazing growth in your commitment to creating and living out our vision. I've been amazed at this community's heart for God and for expectancy and justice in the world. There have been so many issues to tackle in our world. And Middle has raised their fist, marched the streets, stood in rallies, shouted demands for equality, shouted against discrimination on all levels, and for love, period. You have done hurricane recovery in life-sustaining and spiritual ways. You have held the hands and leaned lent your strength at the border, taken training to ensure fair detention processing and awareness about voting rights. You supported Christmas at Middle to show the world what can be. You bring on the reign of God. As a member of the Collegiate Consistory over the past eight years, we have wrestled with how to maintain financial stability for our ministries. And Middle, you are not just talking and walking. You are also fueling our ability to transform the world. Through your generous donations, so far this year, you have given or pledged as much as our full year's goal was eight years ago. I remember when our budget was $90,000. So middle, thank you. Thank you for stepping up and stepping into our vision of care and love for all. As you know, this year, we have an offering goal of $875,000. So this means that by December 31st, we need to be about halfway there about 437,000 in order to ensure that we can continue our programming and justice work. People have been setting up automatic recurring donations, which actually really support our ability to make sure that we can deliver the love we promise. Others have pledged amounts for certain dates. If you haven't yet, please, please do make your commitment of time and and or treasure. You can give online, fill out a pledge card, use your phone to text a donation, or please talk to Lauren or Chad right up front here after worship. Learn how you can be more involved in this work. Next week marks the beginning of Advent and our gift-to-bring season as we approach the end of the calendar year. So now our ushers will come your way. I invite you to join me in giving to ensure that this church, this community, can continue living into our vision for the transformation of ourselves and our world. Thank you. Let us pray. Ever-loving and holy God, you have blessed us with challenging opportunities to serve, support, and love all of your children to be free just as you created them, to be free as creatures that walk the earth and Mother Earth herself. May we use the indescribable love you have given us and the generous offerings from this community to pay it forward in bringing on your heaven right here and right now. Amen.
5: And my friends, we are at our final closing hymn. 33 years ago this week, the East Village Gospel Choir led by Therese Johnson ministered here at Middle Church for the first time on Sunday, November 23rd, 1986. Yes, 33 years later. The two songs offered up in worship were Reach Out and Touch, and this one that we're going to do together, Lead Me, Guide Me.
0: Thank you, Gospel Choir, and thank you so much again, Reverend Paula, for bringing your whole self here today. Paula will be doing a sermon talk back in the social hall. You don't want to miss that either. If you have a few minutes, just come straight this way and spend some more time with our amazing, honored guest today. And friends, the call that Paula talked about, about living an authentic, true life, is a call for all of us. So go now from this place. Go knowing that even lost is a place too and that there is freedom in being lost. Go know that every one of you has a divine spark in you that can make this world a better place. Go knowing we are family and that we move forward with God's love. Go in peace. Amen.